Uh, welcome to English Through History. If you like our content, please subscribe. It helps us to produce more content and it shows us we're moving in the right direction. In today's episode, we'll be concluding the War of the Roses, the dynastic civil war that affected England for 30 years in the 15th century. Uh, we left off in Chapter 2 with the House of York effectively the winner of this war with the Lancaster House and army destroyed. Edward IV has supreme power and no rivals. Henry VI and his son, the Prince of Wales, lie dead. Warwick the Kingmaker, who dramatically switched sides, was also killed and his influence had gone. The York House nemesis, Margaret of Anjou, had been returned to France and to her cousin, the King of France. She was broken and she was powerless. Edward now has free reign to implement his policies and rule as he wishes. However, in this ever-surprising war, disaster is brewing, not in the form of a Lancaster threat, but within the York family itself. Uh, Ed Edward's last major conflict with the Lancaster forces was not done alone. Uh, amongst his allies and family members, his brother, Richard, the Duke of Gloucester, distinguished himself and was making a name for himself amongst the nobles of the court. He governed the north of the country and was by all accounts a rising star. He had shown great loyalty to his brother Edward and accounts of his military prowess were circulated, although of course the exact details cannot be verified. Uh, he was also known to have a slight curve of the spine, a physical trait that was portrayed in later depictions although it was unlikely to have affected him too much during his life. In 1483, Edward IV fell ill and died, leaving his sons, the oldest and heir, Edward and his brother Richard, in the care of Richard, Duke of Gloucester, until Edward could take up the throne upon reaching adulthood. Richard was named as Lord Protector of the Realm, and he effectively ran the country. He appeared to want to uh, want the role himself on a permanent basis, and he made plans to place himself as ruler and heir to the throne. Under the guise of protecting the soon-to-be Edward V, Richard began to remove opposition to himself, executing several nobles that had supported Edward V in his coronation. He began to consult with advisors on how to legitimize any claim he had to the throne over Edward V. He settled on a charge of illegitimacy against the young princes on the grounds that Edward IV's marriage to Elizabeth Woodville was not legal as he had a pre-contract of marriage with another woman. The legalities of this are, are unclear, but it was all the excuse Richard needed. Uh, he declared the princes illegitimate and was crowned Richard III. The princes were sent to the Tower of London where they promptly disappeared. What happened to the princes in the tower is a mystery, but we can probably assume Richard had disposed of them, although to date, no one really knows. The apparent deaths of the princes made Richard unpopular amongst his detractors, and a distant Lancaster cousin, Henry Tudor, who was in exile in France since Edward IV's victory over the Lancaster House several years earlier, he sailed over from France and engaged with Richard's army in what would be the last and defining battle of the War of the Roses. The Battle of Bosworth Field 
is one of the most important battles in English history, uh, as it marked the end of the War of the Roses and the beginning of the Tudor dynasty. The conflict was fought on August the 22nd, 1485, between the forces of King Richard III and Henry Tudor, who later became King Henry VII. The battle was fought near the town of Market Bosworth in Leicestershire, England. In August 1485, Henry landed in Wales with an army of mostly French and Scottish mercenaries, as well as some English supporters. Richard III was alerted to Henry Tudor's invasion and immediately began to gather his forces. He marched towards Henry Tudor's army with an army between 10 to 12,000. Henry Tudor's army numbered around 5,000 men, but he was able to gather support from the Yorkist nobles who had previously supported Richard III, but switched sides during the battle, betraying Richard III and leaving him without support. The battle was fierce, with both sides fighting valiantly. Richard III led his troops into the thick of the battle and he fought bravely, but he was eventually killed in combat. With their king dead, the Yorkist army began to falter and Henry Tudor's forces emerged victorious. Henry Tudor was crowned King Henry VII and he proposed a marriage to Elizabeth of York in an effort to help bring peace between the two warring factions and end the war once and for all. The York nobles agreed and this act brought the war to a close and also ended the Plantagenet line of rulership for good. A new era had dawned, the Tudor dynasty. We're going to look at some of the uh, the myths that circulate around this era. And the first myth we'll look at is to examine the character of Margaret of Anjou. So she's immortalized in Shakespeare and she's been portrayed as a wily and cunning adversary. Ruthless and determined, she's attributed as a key player in the wars. And there's no doubt that she played an important role. However, we don't really know anything about her character at all. The sources portrayed her as ambitious and scheming, but with an awareness of the misogynistic slant from sources at the time, we really can't take this as a given. The fact that she was also French and in power at a time when England was going through a resurgence of patriotism after the Hundred Years' War means that there's probably a healthy dose of xenophobia in the sources as well. As the York House had plenty of propaganda circulated around there, which ranged from adultery to domination of the king, it's really hard to discern the truth. The fact that she rejected the gender norms of the time, namely that a wife and a queen should be passive, uh, also didn't help her later portrayal in works like Shakespeare. The second and final myth is the idea that the War of the Roses were a long three-decade conflict. In fact, the wars themselves had several battles, but often long periods of peace and prosperity, especially under Edward IV. The wars never really ended, due in main to the scheming of both sides. Uh, revenge between the two houses and their allies was so numerous, it, it cannot be covered in such a short time. But revenge-taking and betrayal were as important a factor as the battles themselves. The ideologies of both houses are a grey area, and factors like economics and local regional disputes 
made sure the war wars encompassed these factors as much as who had control of the throne. 